0: All right, as I mentioned in the introductory talk, um, some portion, a significant portion of this series of talks uh, will be devoted to different aspects or different areas of, uh, let's say, the skill or the art of um, sensing the soul, of imaginal practice. And... Um, my intention is to say, I hope, uh, quite a few things I haven't, I haven't said, put out there before. Um, obviously, there'll be some, some repeat, and that's a good thing. Um, so, hopefully, there's uh, things here that are helpful um, uh, in regard to different uh, said areas, different strands of the weave of uh, imaginal practice, sensing the soul um there's no necessarily obvious order in which to present this material um, and there will be inevitably I think some overlap between the different areas um, the different strands uh, but I'll try and sort of present this this bit this strand and then this strand despite you know, that inevitable overlap. Okay, so uh tonight I want to say a few things about energy body. Uh, and as I said there's no um there's no obvious order uh, why I put that first, but uh, we do put a lot of emphasis on it, um, but actually everything's important. So uh talking about um you know skill and developing skill developing the art um of of the energy body of that kind of awareness of that kind of sensitivity um of the possibilities that are there and of being able to work with it um, uh, skillfully artistically etc um it's so just a review uh in terms of Kind of definition, if you like, what we're calling the energy body, we could say, we could say, is actually a kind of awareness, um, more than a thing itself, uh, or, or this kind, this kind of experience, or that kind of experience. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of poise of awareness. But uh, what it involves, we could um, kind of. S- Break down into three aspects, and obviously they're totally interwoven and overlapping, etc. And three aspects are, and when we talk about energy, what it's the felt sense. So, this is really important the felt sense, meaning this space uh, that my physical body inhabits, the, the space sort of outlined by my physical body, maybe even a little bit bigger. Um, what does that feel like? What is the felt sense, the texture, the vibration, the experience there, the tightness, looseness, energization, harm, harmonization, or, or whatever it is? Um, so that's one aspect uh, of energy body, um, the felt sense. The second aspect is the what we might call the image. Now, we don't necessarily mean an imaginal image, but it may be an imaginal image of the body. So this I'll come back to. But... Um, there is um, usually always some kind of image of the body. So I shut my eyes and have a vague image in the back of one's mind of of my body sitting here, um, wearing what it's wearing, um, the limbs sort of in their relative locations, etc. Just very conventional. Other times in meditation, the image... One might have, say, in, in, in a, I don't know, the first genre or something, the image that one might have of the body might just be a diffuse cloud of white light. And that's that's the image that corresponds with the felt sense. Um, so there's the felt sense. Second is the um, image of the, the body. And the third is the idea of the body or the concept of the body. Um, so, you know, in our Western society usually we have the idea that the body is made up of um, cells organized into organs and systems, etc., and those cells are made up of uh, smaller bits which go down to molecules and atoms, etc., and there's this exchange, and out of that uh, interplay of molecules and atoms at the cellular level, etc., the body is... Uh, structured and formed and and functions either um, healthily or unhealthily, etc. Has this or that capacity, etc. But in a way, that's a reductionist model. That's um, the convention. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just one view. It's the dominant view of our modern Western sort of outlook uh, worldview. Um, that uh, the 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 sort of fundamental truth is in the, is in. The, basic building blocks uh, that are purely material, Uh, in other words, they just exist as material entities and the functioning of material entities according to physical laws, or the known physical laws and chemical laws, Um, and out of that the body as a complex organism with its appearance, with its capacities, etc. arises. A different idea, more popular in some circles actually throughout history, um, and you see it in some um, healing paradigms or new age circles or sometimes shamanistic circles, is actually, um, you could say, more of a kind of, let's say, top-down approach of the body, um, perhaps has different levels of being, different... uh, strata to its existence so for instance there's an astral body or a a, a, a different uh, it's almost like the the body has different sheaths maybe seven maybe nine whatever it is in the different systems and so for example the astral body is a certain level of higher energy and it might function this astral body this energy field um, as a kind of matrix if you like, that forms, shapes, and uh, directs to a certain extent the material, um, physical body. So instead of being reductionist bottom-up, so to speak, this is uh, an idea, uh, just as an example, um, of different ideas of the body uh, where a sort of higher energetic level um, of body, if you like, informs, shapes, directs, um, uh, and, and, and if you like, care, cares for in some sense um, the physical, material one that's obviously manifest to most people. Um, but of course there are there are infinite number of ideas about the body po- possible, uh, just as there are an infinite amount of felt senses or or images we can have of the body. There will be some, as I said, that are very common, dependent on culture, upbringing, personal propensity, etc. But um, but the range is is open. So all that together, those three aspects, we could say there's one way of defining what we mean by energy body. And it's a poise of, of awareness. It's a poise of being. We really say energy body awareness. It's the It's the kind of awareness or the kind of attention or kind of way of looking that is open to uh, all the possibilities of that range of those three aspects. In a way, the first is, uh, in some senses, primary, experientially. um, Let's just say experientially primary. In other words, we really want to be anchored and very conscious and very... Uh, in touch with, intimate with the felt sense so I remember um, I've probably done it a few times in guided meditations or just thrown out as suggestions um, the possibility of just imagining, as you're sitting in meditation, just imagining three lines um, lines of energy that kind of Course through the body, so two down each leg, sort of meeting at and centered in the lower belly, the very lower belly, and also centered there, a third line uh, vertically upwards and maybe even going out the top of the head, so there's a kind of uh, triangle is the wrong word, but a three uh, three lines meeting at a point and radiating out like that and a little while ago someone came uh, for an interview. And um, I think they were working on samadhi, but I actually can't remember um, what their main focus was at the time. But they reported um, uh, saying, well, they they tried this and and they were sort of um, working working with it and trying to imagine, uh, looking at these lines that I had suggested... um, and looking at them in kind of close up, and, and really getting the detail of the of the lines, and, and perhaps they'd heard somewhere else, oh, energy tends to spiral um, uh, into the body or out of the body, like in the teaching of chakras, etc. So they were kind of trying to imagine the close up these lines, and and the this the, each line being a kind of a spiral, um, and it wasn't really very productive for them. They were saying, well, I'm just sort of trying that, but it doesn't really do anything. Um, t- to me, that missed the point of my intention in, in sharing that. It's Again, it's not so much um, the visual details. It may or may not be important. Um, and again, here there was a certain idea that was imported about, about what was important, but also about um, how energy is. Uh, it spirals or, or whatever. Um, that's not to say you know, sometimes um, seeing or imagining energy spiraling but it can be extremely helpful. The question is, is it, is it helpful at that time? Um, the, po- the, 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 the main thrust of what I had intended in sharing that, I think, um, was really more to do about a kind of um, structuring of the body or the energy body awareness so that once you put those lines there in the imagination, it just does something to the sense of alignment, of openness, of harmony, etc., in in the body. Um, so it's a it's a kind of through the the geometry of those three lines um, in in the space that we that the body inhabits. Um, and what that does to the sense of well-being, the sense of the body, uh, the sense of the posture, um, and also the possibility, for instance, of samadhi. Um, so it's more to do with the, I don't know what to call it, the geometry and the structuring of the uh, the sense of the body that comes from that. Um, so... Again, what I'm really saying is the felt sense is primary. It's really, really important. We don't want to lose the felt sense because we're chasing some kind of idea much of the energy body that isn't actually really fruitful so when we talk about image and idea as being aspects of the energy body that all all these three felt sense image and idea they're tied together so if I'm playing with a certain idea like spiraling I have to check the felt sense and see what impact does that have on the felt sense and if it's an idea that at that time doesn't bear much fruit um, in terms of the energy body awareness then it's not that helpful Um, so, again, the key thing with this kind of thing as well, so felt sense really important, but another key principle to kind of extract out of um, that little incident that this person shared um, is the importance of um, experimenting, improvising, playing, and... Um, and feeling and noticing when I do this, when I imagine that, when I think this, when I conceive that, when I do this with the, the awareness, whatever this or, or that is, and um, this is what happens. And if you're going for samadhi, that point, oh, that feels good, that feels right, so you go with that. So uh, this real importance of experimenting, improvising, playing, and feeling, noticing in the moment, what is the result of uh, of, of of what I've. What I'm experimenting with this particular experiment, right now, how does it feel? What do I notice? Is it helpful? Um, Stepping back, a slightly more general point is, um, in the global sense, if we talk about practice as a whole, any kind of practice, any direction of practice, samadhi, emptiness, contemplating vedana, um, metta, imaginal practice, whatever it is ethics you know um it's it's something i think it's developable and it, but some some people kind of have uh, kind of a, a bit more of a gift for it to start with but it's definitely developable it's like developing what i might call what we might call a nose a nose for what's important so so often i hear um people I know, long-term practitioners kind of getting caught up in a certain differentiation or idea about this or that practice or this or that teaching, um, and it's kind of irrelevant. And they could spend a, a lot of time uh, sort of pursuing this or that, but it's, it doesn't actually make much difference. So this, this imp- the importance, really broadly speaking now, about any practice, of developing the sense of actually what's crucial here, what is to the essence? What's to the point? What's What matters here? And um, so, for example, in this um, in this student's um, relating to me about trying to imagine in detail the spiraling, it's like it's almost missing the point. I um, uh, could give lots of examples in different areas of practice. But that's a very general point. It's like, can I uh, develop this, this intuition, this... Um, Sense uh, and sensitivity, and, and uh, this this nose for what is significant. What actually is the nub of of uh, what's important here in in whatever practice I'm doing? What am I trying to do? How 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 are the pieces working, and which ones matter, and which ones are very very secondary and irrelevant, or more irrelevant? Um, okay, so. When... Really in these talks I want to yeah, throw out things to... Uh, tips to try, things to consider, suggestions, um, uh, gu- guidances, um, things to reflect on, etc. Um, as I said about the whole skill and art of imaginal practice. So see what's uh, useful as different kinds of things in here. Um, When we do imaginal practice, when when we're sensing the soul, um, I might say, or we might give an instruction, and I think it's a kind of, um, let's say, uh, almost universal, uh, almost universally good idea. If one's practicing with an intrapsychic image, if one's practicing in a dyad, if one Practicing sensing the soul with some object, in uh, some, some being in nature, whatever. And I might, ge- or generally I would encourage and say something like, bring your whole body into contact with the um, sight or sound or other or whatever it is. Sense it with the whole energy body. So what does that mean? For some people, what does that mean, to bring my whole body into contact with a sight? Um, So let's maybe try and break that down a little bit. Um, It means, or what I intend it to mean, is that one um, spreads or balances the attention or the awareness to include um, the object, the other, and the self and the sense of the energy body. Okay, so already we're opening up the sense of what we mean by energy body. Um, in relationship, um, that you could say that energy body is I bring the whole energy body into contact, but as I do that I I I begin to see that actually the sense of the energy body might might begin to include the other. As if there's a larger energy body, kind of, uh, a larger sense of energy, kind of, encompassing the two. Certainly it spreads to, to one's whole energy body, but then that whole energy body comes in, is brought into connection with, into contact with, the sight, the sound, the, the, whatever. And, and then the possibility of that uh, opening up another sense of the energy as encompassing the two. So that's one aspect. A second is um, that the kind of, if we like, the center of knowing or perceiving is not simply the kind of default sense of um, eyes or ears or my head, the sense organs are um, gathered in the head so we tend to kind of think um, of that as the center of knowing the center of perceiving some I'm seeing it with my eyes of course and and those are located in my head and that's the idea and sense we often have as a default of of our sensing of our knowing of our perceiving but rather that the whole energy body um which may itself have a kind of center and for some at the Heart centre um, uh, as a sort of usual place for the for the soul sensing to kind of uh, feel as if it's centred, and for others it will be. For me, it's more just the whole body uh, as a, as, a, as a total field. Um, so that can vary, but this whole energy body um, is the, is a centre of knowing and perceiving. One. Feels it that way. One senses it that way. One can imagine it that way. In our language, one creates and discovers it. So, so again, the default in our culture and almost—it's really almost—almost uh, almost hardwired in, into our uh, sense of things—is that the center is my eyes are seeing, my ears are hearing, and, and that we can feel it located in the head. But what is it to actually? as I said, um, feel, sense, imagine, create and discover the whole energy body as an organ of perception. And with that, um, sometimes, and I've touched on this, I haven't mentioned it for quite a while, maybe it's implicit in some of the examples, sometimes there's the possibility of a kind of synesthesia, that with the whole uh, the whole energy body coming, being brought into contact, being conceived, felt, sensed, imagined as this uh, organ uh, or centre of knowing and perceiving, uh, that the senses start to kind of mix and blend so that um, sound and sight and touch, uh, etc., are less separate. They, um, they weave into each other. They imply each other. They reflect each other. They manifest uh, across the boundaries between those different senses. Um, so, um, we hear with our body, that's not actually such a, uh uncommon um, thing to happen when one's listening deeply to music or to birdsong or, or whatever it is. Um, or actually anything, listening to a lawnmower, just the vibration, etc., is a certain one level of that. But there's a rich possibility here of synesthesia, of the kind of mixing of, of, of the senses um, that can be mm-hmm. very beautiful and very fruitful. So another aspect, when I say bring your whole body into contact with this other, with the sight, with the sound, with what it is you're sensing with soul, um, sense it with the whole energy body. Uh, 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 fourth aspect we could um, say is that Uh, I mentioned this earlier, is that the energy body sense is open to the whole potential range of um, perceived um, substantiality and image and idea. So the whole perceived uh, possible, the whole potential range of um, perceived felt sense, to very very etheric and light, um, to very dense um, etc. The whole range of imaginal image and imaginal possibilities and the whole range of ideas so in bringing the whole body into context also means bringing the whole um, if you like range of possibilities of the body how I conceive it how I feel it how I imagine it how I image it uh, that that is open as uh, the, the, the gates there are open that the range is open uh, so it could. it's possible for it uh, to have that whole range of, or anywhere along that range in, in manifestation. And uh, lastly, fifthly, and again I, I, I actually alluded to it before, so this kind of overlaps with the first one, um, that a connection or sometimes even a flow, but let's say a connection is sensed between the energy body and the object. So when I bring in this sensitivity and the delicacy and the, the care, uh, careful mindfulness in the, in the larger sense of what we mean in, in these practices, um, of bringing the whole body, the whole energy body into the presence of, into relationship with another in a dyad, with an intrapsychic object, with a object in nature um, that there can be again gradually we might notice it or it might be immediately apparent but sometimes these things are kind of they gradually uh, we gradually begin to discern them um, that we begin to sense a connection uh, There could be a flow but some kind of connection energetic connection between the energy body and the object the other they form a kind of we could say a unit of dyads so as I said, I, I kind of uh, already um, touched on that in the first of the five here. But um, a unit of dyads means, yes, there's two. I can definitely feel two here. But I also sense a kind of um, unifying energy, or at least a an energy that connects us, flows between us, ties us together, um, etc. Okay, and... Um, you know, if we, if we just ling- linger with this and expand some of what what I've just said, um, again, we're so conditioned by the dominant uh, materialist, reductionist, uh, scientific and scientific uh, viewpoint. Of uh, modern culture, that it's sometimes hard for us to actually have certain experiences because the logos is so entrenched um, or so limited uh, in, along certain within certain circumscribed parameters, and it it simply doesn't allow other ideas, and so it it might also inhibit in. Uh, certain experiences, just in the way we talked about the the Logos dynamic, can be inhibited or blocked from its natural tendency to expand. Um, It can be inhibited, blocked at certain times. One of the ways is by a a limiting idea that we're clinging to, and sometimes we don't even realize what it is or that we're clinging to it. So, you know, in our culture, the language and ideas and models we have for sensing and sensation um, aren't quite adequate for sensing with soul. Um, So, for example, as I've touched on, where where is the sensing? We tend in our culture to think and feel only that, for example, touch happens on the skin. And, uh, for instance, at the end of the hand, I touch um, another person, I touch my beloved, I touch this tree, or whatever it is. Uh, Only there, that's where the touch happens. Um, but when we touched, uh, for example, uh, when we touch a beloved who is for us an erotic imaginal figure, or we touch the earth uh, as as uh, erotic imaginal other, um, uh, w- when we sense it with soul, um, or when we listen to sound, as I said, to music, to bird song, to anything, we don't only sense or think of touch as taking place at the skin or with the hand or hearing happening with the ears. Rather we sense the whole energy body uh, which is larger and more larger than and uh, more than the physical body. And we touch and sense with the emotions heart. So again in our culture we tend to have body is one thing um, sensory contact is one thing, emotions and heart is something else um, which again in our culture might reduce to some kind of chemical thing maybe, maybe not um, but when, when we begin sensing with soul, these things come together so I touch it with my heart, I touch it with my emotions it touches my emotions, we have that word also in the language already I'm touched by something, it's touching my heart the heart also touches Um, And the soul resonances, all this is uh, kind of involved, receiving, resonating, shaping and touching the object. So again, there's this uh, kind of much more, much richer and more comprehensive and multidimensional sensing that happens when we sense with soul. And the whole idea of this body and the instrument it is and its capacities and how it works and its sensitivities and sensibilities, that gets expanded, enriched, complexified, etc. Okay. Okay. So there's there's a sense there uh, that we can talk about opening the energy body. And what we really mean is opening the idea, opening up the range of possibilities, opening up uh, what we imagine the body to be and what we actually experience. Um, so opening up that whole range, as we said. There's another sense in which um, opening the energy body is actually really quite important well, I think for all practice, and actually for living well, but um, but certainly, certainly for uh, practices like samadhi and um, and imaginal practice and sensing the soul. Um, so, uh, I think I might have said this before, but again, it, it bears repeating because um, sometimes the. Sometimes when, when a teaching is really relevant to, to oneself, one hears it, but one doesn't really take it in. It doesn't land. It's almost like uh, I'm, I'm so in a certain pattern or a certain idea about how things are or what I need to do um, that I don't recognize that actually this, this, that strand of teaching is significant for me because I'm so set on something else being more important. So I would say, and I want to tread carefully here uh, in this portion of the talk, but I sometimes um, a person may well need to develop um, the energy body awareness and the skill to really allow imaginal practice. Uh, we, we have placed it, and we'll... Continue to place it really as something quite fundamental and indispensable and integral to um, sensing the soul, to imaginal practice and the whole soul making Dharma. Um, but for some people, uh, some of them might be interested in images I like hearing about sacredness or whatever it is, but there really isn't that basis. We're back to foundations now, or foundations that can become roots, uh, as we'll see. Um, but well, there really isn't that developed basis of either awareness of the energy body or, or skill with it. And they might need to work um, in, and practice in different ways that really focus on that for a while. Um, sometimes what, what's a factor here as well is that a person, a person's not used to opening the energy body in the sense of having a lot of energy and openness in the sense of the energy body. So, you know, the we can feel the energy body at different times as being more or less energized, of course. Um, and for a lot of people, there's a whole range there of sort of holding and uh, having course through or... or uh, Uh, the body, or the sense of the body, or being filled with more energy, uh, much more energization than one is used to. For many people, that whole range of having more energy in the energy body, or the energy body being opened by having more energy, it's just not an experience that they're used to. Many Dharma practitioners as well. So for some people, that will be one piece of their developing the awareness and the skill with the energy body, is actually becoming used to having more energy. One of the ways uh, in the energy body, one of the ways um, that more energy comes is through the long breath. So you know in the Anapanasati Sutta and the, it starts with this uh, breathing in long, uh, the practitioner knows they're breathing in long, etc. Breathing in short as a second instruction, um, knows they're breathing in short. Many times that just gets ignored. Um, it's just, okay, know whether your breath is long or short but even that, people don't really pay much attention to they're more focused, for instance, on the sensations at the abdomen or the nostrils um, It's. I'm not insisting, I, I don't really mind did the Buddha mean this or that, it doesn't matter my point is really, one could read that as actually an active encouragement rather than just a passive noticing actually breathe long for a while Um, fill the body, the space of the body with prana, with the prana, the chi of the breath or that sense or whatever and what this does is it opens and energizes the energy body if you stay with it for a while and sometimes that's quite as I said it's quite unusual and in being unusual it's quite uncomfortable for people and they, they for all kinds of different reasons sometimes it's just not familiar sometimes it's a bit scary sometimes there's other aspects of being that are attached um, or consequential on having a lot of energy when there's a lot of energy and openness in the energy body well you know it's hard for the mind not to open It's hard for the soul not to open. It's hard for the emotions not to open. It's hard, perhaps, for certain structures of psychology not to open or to be revealed or to be changed, etc. And the person may, consciously or unconsciously, be a little bit resistant to all that. There's all kinds of possibilities um, of what may be going on here. And and sometimes one needs to go into some of those reservations or concerns or... um, uh, Etc. And you know, go into the psychology and work with it gradually and caring. Other times, one doesn't. One just needs to, for instance, practice the long breath. Um, I I gave some uh, some retreats using that. I think it was in 2007, 2008, on Samatha and the Art of Concentration, etc. There's there's, uh, guidance there if you if you want it, and you can find it other places as well. Um, But Opening and energizing the energy body with that with that stage of breath practice as one example, and and one becomes used to feeling it and used to the body being open and being energized, having more energy. The capacity of the energy body uh, grows, and uh, again it. I've tried to explain why that's relevant just now, but um it's often the case that a person just doesn't just doesn't see it as, as relevant. Um it, it, they think other things are important, um uh, and there's there's a, something else is the issue. I'll come back to that. But actually lingering on, on this for a while, um this this point opening the energy body. And um this openness of the energy body uh, which you know the energy body opens and closes all the time it's doing that all day long in different stages of openness and closes closed closeness and it does that for many different reasons so i said practicing long breath tends to open the energy body when there's. Uh, craving it tends to contract the energy body Um, when there's eros it tends to open the energy body etc etc there's many many things uh, factors that are uh, important important and influential in, in the state of the energy body at any time but the capacity or accessibility or the habit even of opening the energy body may be Um, in the long term, uh, really quite significant in one's life, certainly in one's practice and the direction of practice and one's life as well. Opening, opening. You know, the the, the openness of the energy body is not divorced from many other factors, as I said said just a few minutes ago. For example, uh, to name another, you know... um, radical sort of uh generosity, radical courageous generosity is also an opening of the being. You know, to you can see that it's like the, the fist is closed, clinging on to what I've got, my coins, my whatever it is, my pension, my whatever. And it there's an opening of the being. I have to open the fist to give. So generosity is an opening. Radical generosity that uh is almost courageous in how much it's giving, is also a kind of radical opening of the being. It too will have an effect. Everything's connected. The dependent origination I can't get away from it. That opening of the being radically, in a, in a radical generosity, will open the heart, it opens the energy body, it opens the sense of self, um, all kinds of possibilities. Um, So you can see, for example, sometimes a person has been practicing Dharma for 30 years, but they've never really practiced, um, or or the the level at which they practice uh, generosity is quite limited. I'm talking about all kinds of generosity here. Um, There remains a sort of contractedness, a sort of, almost like a stinginess of being, just holding, holding oneself in, holding <laughs> I'm almost making this gesture you can't see, like making this gesture like almost like holding the energy body in. It, it it that's what happens when I'm um not generous, and the opposite happens with generosity. So you see some people, as I said, practice for thirty years, go all over the world, check this teacher out, check that, read this, read that, do this practice, do that practice. And something's still contracted. There's still this kind of um, almost perpetual sort of. Uh, I mean, yes, some other things change, but still, you, you get a sense of their being. There's something still kind of tight there. Other people have been practicing much less and uh, at much less time, and but are willing to experiment with a kind of radical generosity of being and the courage that that takes. Um, and you see, there's some this all kinds of consequences and you know, openness of being, openness of heart, um, ability to let go. So there's a lot of factors that, uh, a lot of, let's say, uh, capabilities, readinesses, tendencies that may be related to things, for instance, like um, the ease of samadhi. I don't think, how much is my openness and generosity connected with. Um, my capacity for samadhi? Uh, I would say a lot. Why? Because, again, they're both opennesses. Samadhi is a state of the energy body being open. And a kind of surrendering to whatever, again, if we talk about the first jhana, I'm surrendering. Part of it is, as much as I penetrate um, the piti, the rapture, the bliss there, I'm also surrendering to it. I'm abandoning myself to it. I'm opening my energy body to that and letting it fill. So this capacity, this readiness, this willingness and um, uh, to, to or tendency to open um, in different ways is all, is all connected. Um Again, a person might not might, not f- might be practicing for 20 years, and, and so I really need to work on my focus, my mind just wanders. I really need to just come back to the breath again and again and develop my concentration and they've sort of interested in jhana, but they, they, they've basically kind of given up and they keep they keep um, trying to develop their concentration, convinced that if only they can just keep the mind in one place, nail it to whatever it is, the abdomen or the nostrils or whatever it is, um, that they will kind of develop samadhi there. My mind just keeps wondering. I just need to keep doing this. And not see that actually their um, lack of, of kind of, Opening to uh, the, the loveliness of Samadhi and the, the possibility of jhana and all that may actually be much more related to the openness of the energy body and the the unfamiliarity or the disinclination to open it as, as we said before with the youth um, generosity with the with the um, with the long breath whatever yeah um, and so sometimes what one might hear talk you know, this kind of thing, and not not even think that's not significant, because I know what I need to do is I just need to nail my my mind to, uh, my attention to the tip of the nose or whatever it is. And of course, that is a, an aspect, uh, a factor, that ability to do that, to stay focused, to con- concentrate in, in that uh, narrow sense of the word is a factor in, in the development of samadhi, but it's often, and I know I've said this before, but it's often just way too Way too overemphasized. A person doesn't act, doesn't uh, grasp the broader uh, set of often much more significant conditions and factors that that come together to allow allow deepening, allow opening, say to to jhanic experience and, and that kind of thing. But this openness in the energy body, and for example, what I'm calling radical generosity, that whole that whole exploration and, 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 and lovely territory, um, also, it may be related not just to the ease of samadhi um, that a person experiences, but also to their ability to let go in general. In other words, to to their freedom. Again, you can see it in in the analogy of the opening the fist um, in 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 giving in generosity uh, It might also be uh, related to uh, not just the use of Samadhi and the ability to let go in general, but also um, to one's kind of capacity or propensity for religious feeling, what we might call. I'll come back to that in a second, for devotion, for opening, for surrender, for a sense of divinity and all that. So I'm not saying this is the only factor. There are lots of factors involved in developing samadhi, involved in our ability to let go in life and be free, um, and also lots of factors that feed, of course, um, the what we might call religious openings, religious sensibility, religious uh, devotion, and attunement. But um, th- these 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 factors that I'm pinpointing right now, coming out of our discussion about opening the energy body, um, they may be, as I said, much more significant than we realize. Um, I have a colleague, Suvacher, some of you will know him, um, and uh, I was sitting in on a talk, I think, that he gave at Guy House um, some years ago, and if, uh, if my memory serves me, in, and, and he said... He said, I thought it was great, actually. He said, he was talking to, you know, a room full of people, the meditation, well, I don't know how many people that is. And he said, you know, some of you would be actually much better served by opening your house to a refugee family than by sitting on a retreat. Um, is a bold thing to say, and it probably startled quite a few people, I imagine. But, um, again, it comes back to this radical generosity idea. And um, the opening that comes from that and then what, the, uh, what that sets in motion, if you like, or what it opens in the being, and the ramifications for, let's say, for letting go, for freedom, for opening sensibility, for samadhi, all kinds of things. Um, so there's, there's a lot to consider here. Um, all these things, as I said, will be mutually dependently arising. Um, so it's not that one thing comes first and then another, any of them can feed, uh, the other. So, um, a, a devotional experience will tend to open the energy body. Generosity will tend to open the energy body and, the uh, potentially the, the, you know, one of the, um, let's say the supportive, uh, um, it's one of the supports for, let's say the capacity for, uh, religious experience, for sensing the soul, all kinds of things. So, you know, sometimes in relation, again, a person's been practicing for a while and all this talk about letting go and craving and freedom, and and this, I should let go of craving and aversion and fear. But it might well be that practicing, um, for instance, more generosity, um, practicing um surrendering and abandoning uh in relation and opening in relationship to the energy body and the and, and the sense of energy there that may be um much more uh, helpful you know in as I said in the supporting the ability to really let go of craving, aversion and fear than certainly than just saying, oh I should. Oh, I've been practicing so long and I should. Um, Uh, these factors feed each other. Um, And again, uh, just repeating one, one, I just want to draw out one strand and repeat it. Um, The capacity to open the energy body and the being in surrender to, let's say, something higher, so some kind of sense of... uh, divinity in, in the loosest, broadest sense. Um, that, as I said, is related to all All this is related, this opening of the energy body, might be related to our capacity to surrender, and not just to a jhanic experience, or a dissolution of the self and, and the space that opens up there, but also our, our ability to... Um, it might correlate with our ability to... Uh, yes surrender in devotion or have a devotional sense it's the same it's the same kind of uh, or there's a lot of overlap between what is what is actually happening in the soul in the energy body there but all these factors uh, again they're tied together in a kind of mutual dependent origination um, so again I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to throw out in this or offer in, in these talks uh, certainly tips and techniques and this and that, but also just things to consider and things to reflect on or to question, uh, you know, the, how, whether or not they might be relevant to you at, at any time. Um, when we talk, you have to be, as I said, I have to be careful, you know, when, sometimes when we talk like this, it want to really steer clear of... Uh, you know, a tendency to view myself, uh, to view oneself in a certain way, you know. So back to non-identification, anatta. I am like this. I'm just closed. My heart is closed. I'm a miserable, stingy, da-da-da. My energy body is closed. I'll never feel devotion. You know, I am like this. As opposed to understanding the mind, the uh, the the heart, the body, the energy body, the attention, all of this, we could see it, and, and I think it's very skillful to understand all all those uh, aspects of our being as as habits, you know. And as habits, they're trainable, they're malleable, they're shapeable. They're not fixed in stone. So yes, we, we can talk about habits of energy uh, patterns. I mean, you can see it or sense it in people's bodies. There's a certain habit this way or that way. Um, but... But it's not who I am. Okay, so that's really, really important. If you're listening to some of this and and there's some kind of contraction of um, identification and you know either praising yourself or or beating more commonly beating yourself up or, or despairing or whatever, it's, it's really, really important. Um, but at the same time, we can also talk about. Um, you know, styles of soul, um, soul personae, if you, li- if you like, something like that. So souls are different, you know. Um, they're still trainable and shapeable, but but pe- we're also born, if you like, with different souls, you know, different soul styles and different soul personae, you know. So there's this um, two considerations, if we're really kind of, looking at the whole thing, uh, there's these two two kind of balancing considerations. Yes, um, we have individual soul styles and soul personae that we seem to be um, thrown into this world with, or as, if you like, and all of it is trainable and malleable. Um, but just another brief point to consider, um is that also the kind of dharma that one might gravitate towards might also be determined by uh, amongst other factors of course of course amongst other factors so it's not going to be just one uh, one consideration but it might be determined uh, among other amongst other factors by for instance this capacity how uh, how do I have the capacity to really open the energy body, for instance um, uh, and then related with that is is the possibility. you know is it possible for me to feel devotion? Is it possible to have a sense of divinity and dimensionality without which devotion is remains fairly flat um so all these factors um will uh determined to some extent uh, will contribute to determining what kind of dharma one gravitates towards. So that if there isn't the capacity to open the energy body, there might not be the capacity to give oneself in devotion in a really uh, deep way that that, that feels deep uh, in the sense of permeating the, the levels of the soul and the body and the heart. And and so that one is less drawn to a dharma, um, for instance, like soul-making dharma that tends to talk uh, in religious terms and soul terms and devotion and divinity and all that. One may, of course, again avoid kind of uh, samadhi practice in the sense of jhana practice, etc. But um, but it might be that again these 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 factors actually our capacities here, or our trainings here, maybe that's a better way of saying it, our, our training of our capacities here um, may well determine, as I said earlier, our direction, not just in practice, but in life. Um, and that's not to say uh, that any one Dharma direction is better or worse. We're um, uh, really... Don't, just that's just a completely irrelevant thing to, to try and measure is soul-making dharma better than this dharma or mahasi or it's just, it's just not interested. But there are different styles and different styles and different souls will be called to different styles. But the question again is, am I permitting my my being, my life, my soul, my practice to be... Uh, be called where it is truly called, if you like, um, or is is it constrained by just uh, a habit um, of, for instance, the energy body not being open, and that limiting then my sense of capacity to open uh, to any sense of divinity, etc., which just tends to make me not interested in certain paths. So. Great if, if it's a kind of, uh, let's say, in intrinsic to my being, that I choose this path over that path. Less great if I'm propelled by... Um, in one direction rather than other, only. If my choice of direction is limited um, and constrained by habit, indoctrination, um, fear, you know, whatever it is. But... Um, I'm reminded of, a I think I quoted it in the Eros Feta talks, it's a, uh, an aphorism that Nietzsche uh, wrote in, in his uh, Beyond Good and Evil. And he said, um, the degree and kind of a man's, sorry for the gender language that he wrote in back then, the degree and kind of a man's sexuality reaches up into the topmost summit of his spirit. The degree and kind of a person's sexuality reaches up into the topmost summit of his spirit. In a way, he's talking about the same thing. The way we are with the body and our um, capacity or ability to open that body in surrender, in abandon, in connection, uh, to tolerate a lot of charge, a lot of energy, all that's intimately related with how we are sexually, yeah, now this is obviously a fraught area and there's all kinds of wounding people have etc, but um again sometimes we can talk about different soul styles, different sexual styles that are more or less intrinsic. Sometimes we're talking about no a result of wounding or indoctrination or wh- whatever it is. Intimidation even. Um, but there's a there's a there's a connection here between um uh sexuality in in the in the broader sense and thus energy body in the broader sense that we're talking about and also what path Um, and what spiritual path and what spiritual possibilities actually open up for us so I know that's loaded and it can be tender territory for people but I hope you can understand the point I am making without any um, uh, any um, you know temptation to judge yourself or uh, something like that. Again, it's things to consider. um, Things to reflect on. Is it relevant for me? Um, Okay. So again, I'm going to say this again. Um, It's not that one path is better or worse than another. What I want, am I free to choose? And am I free to choose according to what I love and what my soul feels drawn to and what makes sense to me? one point, second point to repeat um, yes, we can I think we can talk about different soul styles different soul personae that we are born with, that we are given, I'm given my soul, I didn't, you know how did, how did it come to be that I'm like this um, I'm given my soul and it's a certain way, and it has certain tendencies and certain capacities and others, uh, other capacities are more limited, other tendencies are less developed, etc Um so yes, there is that we can talk about um, being given a certain soul intrinsically, and and we can talk about uh, the trainability and malleability of our capacities, tendencies, inclinations, um, and what's available and accessible to us. Yeah, really important. <clears throat> Okay, so there's another sense uh, that we can talk about opening the energy body. Um, Meaning opening up um, the... In particular with regard to the image and the felt sense of the energy body. Um, And I've put this out recently anyway, but I want to emphasize it to really make sure people get that um, sort of development or furthering of the teachings and the possibilities in this teaching of the energy body so that um, we can, as I said, experience at any at any moment uh, whether we're with another or with an object in nature or just with ourselves in meditation or just going about our day we experience the energy a certain way the energy of this body or the energy between bodies or, or whatever it is there's a felt sense of that there's also an image of it, as I said before uh, as part of, a, if you like, one of the three, two of the three components of, um, of the energy body. Um, but it's, a, it's another step to then um, see or sense that experience of energy at any time, to experience it as I- imaginal so so often when people talk about energy body or subtle body there's either an implicit or explicit or implicit um, tendency to we're talking about something real here maybe not everyone can um, perceive it maybe scientists would quibble with it or whatever but we're talking about something real the energy is like this my energy was like that etc and that's all all good and fine but there's a kind of reification basically there this is how it is what happens when uh, the felt sense of energy or the image of the energy is actually seen sensed um conceived of and felt as image um so uh there's all kinds of possibilities here um the uh you know it could be that the the, the body is experienced as a body of flames you know that's a, a clear image that image um, can then become more fully imaginal in the sense that we've talked about, as the as the nodes and the elements of the imaginal light up. The ex- the body can be s- imagined as sand, dense sand, or um, or as I said, a, a kind of etheric uh, light, uh, etc. Um, but it's another thing for that then to be seen as imaginal and sensed and and related to as imaginal. Yeah um or uh, uh the other day I was practicing in a dyad with, and um uh, there was a sense of our bodies and the feel between our bodies being being liquid um, but it it wasn't just I'm not just using that as metaphor oh it feels kind of there's a kind of liquidity it was actually really sensed as image, not a visual image but a, a, a almost a kinesthetic image um so the sense of the energy body can then be uh, we can always decide to see it uh, as imaginal rather than just kind of accept it as an experience and the default view of most experiences is not to see it as image not to conceive of it as image so actually one can actually again if we talk about the elements and the art of imaginal practice sometimes um things just shift by themselves and open by themselves, ignite by themselves certain elements. Sometimes it's just from noticing a certain element that it, that it, it uh, ignites further, the flame uh, ignites more, and then it can ignite other elements. And sometimes we can just decide to ignite an element. Um, in this case, we can... Uh, sometimes you'll find, if you experiment with this, you can just... Decide to see and feel and sense the energy body, the very sense of the energy body, the very sense of energy um, as imaginal so for instance uh it's not it 's neither real nor not real the imaginal middle way the theater like quality and that that little small but significant shift actually changes the whole experience quite uh quite noticeably quite dramatically. And as I said, it can then become fully imaginal. That very perception of energy body or, or perception of energy um, becomes imaginal uh, or can become more fully imaginal. So, I um, thing I shared on the last retreat, Justin um, suggested to me one day, I don't know when it was, a year ago, I'm, I can't remember. Um, uh, we could talk about, rather than the energy body, you could talk about the imaginal body or the poetic body. Um, so I like those terms. I think any terms um, we use are going to have their particular limitations so and difficulties uh, that come from them or they, they spawn certain difficulties um, so for example uh, I think in the definition we 've given of energy body um, it, there's you know a, a, the most normal conventional experience of body a solid body with a reductionist, materialist view, etc., and just the usual sensations that we might have, or the, the pressure of my backside on the chair, my feet on the floor, etc. Um, in in the definition we gave at the beginning of energy body with the three aspects, felt, sense, image, and idea, that would just constitute one one place on the spectrum of possible imaginal experience, um, of possible energy body experience. Um... If we talk if we call something the imaginal body there's the, uh, the, the problem arises that that conventional experience that very normal common experience that most people have of their body um, is not imaginal, so the word imaginal doesn't really fit, um, and sometimes it's very non-poetic either. Um, so then do we talk about two kinds of um, experience, uh, an energy body experience and an imaginal or poetic body, and where exactly do you draw the line? So uh, I like these words, or in, in these terms, imaginal body and poetic body, because they open up the sense of, uh, through the vocabulary, they open up, they remind us to open up to the possibilities there. Um, another difficulty I'd probably have with either imaginal body or poetic body as words, uh, and there's all kinds of difficulties with energy body as a term, but um, with, uh, with, with imaginal and poetic body, there's also, they don't tend to connote too much the primacy and the sort of primary importance of the felt sense. The poetic body can can often be, uh, for some people, might just be disconnected from the body. You know, there's no sense of I'm feeling anything. It's just a poetic idea, etc. Um, so, we could use all three words interchangeably or, or whatever. But really, um, I want to encourage uh, the digestion of of a sort of this expansion of the teaching of the energy body to include the image of the body and the idea. And the image we have might be imaginal. Um, so, a fully imaginal, more or less fully imaginal. And that's part of the energy body experience, if we're going to use that term. So, as I said, this, this um, if you like, flipping the switch or igniting um, a certain node to see and sense the experience of energy at any time as imaginal and not just as an experience of energy um has all kinds of effects so if if you you know if you have enough experience with the energy body as we've been talking about it you may want to experiment with this next next step sort of bumping it up a level if you like not all the time doesn't have to be but just to again open up other possibilities um that are uh you know, quite as I said, quite noticeable and, and dramatic in, in, in the effect there. Um, so sometimes you might be <clears throat> you might be working in a diet, and there's a lot of eros, for example, and there might be um, uh, you know a sexual image that comes up as part of the diet, as part of the practice there. If that's okay in the diet, we haven't talked about this yet uh, in the teaching, but I'm just mentioning it as a really to indicate to to, to to illustrate something else. But um um but the whole so there's 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 uh, the dyad, there's eros, there's sexual eros and attraction and sexual energy, but um but only it's not really imaginal, or only part of the whole thing is imaginal. Maybe I feel like I'm imaginal, my sense of myself but the other isn't, or vice versa or, or, or whatever. So I see them as a, I'm just seeing them as a sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, um, a non-imaginal other, and myself as, uh, I've become more imaginal, or the other way around. Doesn't doesn't matter, uh, the principle. Um, One could then, uh, for instance decide like I said to to see the energy to feel the energy to conceive of the energy there in this case the sexual energy and the, um, the energy that might be even part of a sexual image that's arising um, one might decide to see it as image as imaginal so it's, 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 it's that that shift what needs to be there um, what factors need to ignite to make that shift and Again, with that, then uh, it, it might be that the, the whole—not uh, just the texture of the experience and the range and dimension of the experience, but also the um, what opens in the whole experience—might uh, might change. Um, for instance, it might be that then where. I was image, but the other wasn't, and there was just this sexual energy and it wasn't quite imaginal, etc., then both, for instance, might become uh, subsumed uh, self and other might become imaginal. Um, The eros itself, the sexual image, the images, the energy and the desire, the sexual energy, the desire, all of that might might then ignite. Um, And uh, the sense then maybe... For instance, participating mystically uh, in some kind of cosmic sacrament is the sort of again with the participation and the cosmopoesis and the dimensionality. So this this attraction here this sexual image here um, uh, is is has other dimensions, uh, cosmic dimensions. It's a it's a holy sacrament that has its roots, its origins in. Um, in the mundus imaginalis in the um, uh, uh, in the world of images uh, and everything becomes there. Um, so that's one example of the kind of thing that might open I'll give one more example just to end tonight um, so again we're talking about the, the impact of that shift I was practicing in a diet and um the person I was practicing with was was gazing and, uh, at me and describing her experience and um, it was uh, almost all of what she was describing was the energy body experience and I was um, very sensitive to her gestures, I felt very sensitive to her gestures, her words and her energy And um, the concertina opened for me. Um, So again, what we mean by concertina as one of the elements, one of the nodes, is the sort of um, spread of potential images, of the sort of incipient or inchoate images, waiting in the wings, so to speak, um, uh, around uh, a central perception. So they're not sort of fully present or fully dominant there. But nothing really ignited uh, to become uh, fully imaginal as I was there and she was describing her energy body uh, experience and I was there with that sensitivity and the sense of the concertina. So something felt slightly blocked in the process um, despite um, uh, uh, my partner there having uh, strong energy openings um which she was describing to me. So there was a lot of energy and she was being very careful and mindful in um attending to it and opening to it and sharing it, etc. And then I asked her at a certain point, um, is is it um that perception of energy, is it uh, uh, an imaginal perception? Yeah. Um so she got it immediately. Ah, very good. And um, it shifted as a result of my just drop dropping that in, or she she did something inside to shift it to an image of energy. So the energy openings she was feeling and and uh, and sensing were regarded as imaginal, as I said. The point I want to make now is partly a point about the effects of that, but. Partly a point about diet practice, because when she did that, I felt my experience open up to image. So what had felt a little blocked in my experience from my end, like it wasn't, the whole thing wasn't fully imaginable. It was just sort of potential there in the wings, the concertina. But something felt a little bit like it wasn't quite igniting. So that's really interesting. Her experience changed and my experience changed. Um, so this is for me, really interesting, again, about the effects of this, I don't know what we call it, uh, shift of level, if you like, of of, um, sensing energy as image, as imaginal image, and the capacity to do that, and what happens when we do that. Second point is, um, wow, that's really interesting about dependent arising uh, of experience in a dyad. My experience depended on a subtle shift in how she viewed her experience. So again, something happens, um, we may or may not, as I said in the opening talk, get into some teachings about diet practice um, in this series of talks, but I'm saying this now, so I'll just say it. Something happens in one um, person, in one unit of the diet or component of the diet, if you use a technical language, and um, and and something correspondingly is then allowed to open uh, in, in the other, and in the diet as a whole. So yes, the significance and power of the option of sensing the energy body or the energy field between two people, imaginably sensing it with soul, rather than just as kind of plain experience or fact or whatever, which is the... Default and implicit way we tend to sense energy if we sense it at all, but secondly, this kind of um, i find uh you know really fascinating and mysterious um sense of what happens between two people um when one um when one person has a certain shift. Um, or makes a certain shift in their experience in this case as I said, viewing the energy as imaginal rather than just as energy and how that then affects the dyad affects the other person's experience and affects the whole range of what then is possible okay, so um I think I'll stop there for this evening.